lost the touchdown because the receiver didn't complete the catch. Inbounds, juggle ball, whatever it was, Buffalo lost the touchdown. Who was Buffalo playing? Why, of course, the Patriots. That rule has famously taken touchdowns away on review from three New England opponents. And the one time the rule appeared to be applied improperly, it gave New England a touchdown. But wait, there's more. Here's an amazing number. On 29 scoring drives this year, the Patriots got a first down via penalty. 29 times. Now, I do not believe in any league-wide conspiracy to help New England. But when you see all that and hear all that, it really does make you wonder. You certainly understand why people might suspect there is a conspiracy. But don't forget two things. The NFL suspended Tom Brady for four games just last year, and the league does not benefit in any way by giving the Patriots extra help. Sick Again brought to you by 84 Lumber, your hometown building partner since 1956. Let me repeat that number. On 29 scoring drives this year, the Patriots have got a first down via penalty. That number is unreal. 29 first downs by penalty on scoring drives for New England in 15 games. Yikes. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. I haven't seen details, but they're bringing Roseanne back. The TV sitcom starring Roseanne Barr. Is television ever going to have a new idea? And where does this leave Johnny Galecki? He's on the Big Bang Theory now. Is he going to pull double duty? Is he going to show up on Roseanne with his new girlfriend, Kaylee Cuoco? I would certainly like to see that. If you're just tuning in, well, you know the Steelers cut James Harrison. But what you may not know if you're just tuning in is that Harrison flew to New England today to meet with the Patriots, and he may sign there. How do you feel about the Steelers cutting Harrison? How would you feel if he signed with the Patriots and wound up playing against the Steelers in the AFC Championship game? I guess I can't have a problem with him going to play for New England. Well, really I do, but I guess I shouldn't. But if Belichick brings him in and pumps him for all kinds of information about the Steelers, offense, defense, signals, etc., that's a traitorous act. If Harrison goes to New England, I don't think Steeler Nation should ever look at him the same way again. Then again, a lot of you are more stupid than I am, which makes you more forgiving as well. Uh, I want to talk about the Steelers' defensive backs for just a second. It was uh, interesting to see Artie Burns keep his job at starting corner because all week long, the word was Cam Sutton would start in place of Burns. 
But Burns kept the job, and he should. He's a first-rounder. He's got the pedigree. He's been up and down, but that's what happens with young quarterbacks trying to break into the National Football League. A Tom and a Butler handled it right. It was good to make Artie chase it, or at least think he was chasing it. You got more out of him. The Steelers have a decent group of DBs now, and I'll talk about that a little bit later. Right now, let's go to Dennis in Elizabeth. Dennis, you're on the Mark Madden Show. Hey, Mark. I think the Steelers got rid of uh, Harrison because he became a pain, but it wasn't over playing time. If you remember beginning of the year, Harrison was complaining about having to play on Christmas again. I think he Yeah, that had nothing to do with it. Thank you for the call. Let's go to Steve in the car. Steve, you're on with Double M. Steve, you're on the air. Hey, Mark. You just alluded to it a second ago. A question for you. What are the chances Belichick and the Patriots paid Harrison a couple hundred grand and paid for his flight to hand over the playbook and analyze tape? Yeah, I, I don't. What, what do you mean? Paid him an extra hundred grand? Yeah, just a flat. No, I don't think that's uh, that's ridiculous. Thank you for the call. Boy, the conspiracy theories abound. But I understand when the Patriots get 29 drives that ended in scores, kept alive via a penalty that gave New England a first down. That makes me laugh every time I say it out loud. It's a ridiculous figure. Made all the more ridiculous by the fact that it's true. Oh, it's damn true. Let's go to John in North Braddock. John, you're on with Double M. Hey, Mark. Happy holiday. Uh, I think that the guy could have an opportunity to go try to play for a winner. I mean, he's a prideful guy, and the Steelers have made decisions. Why bring the guy in and you give him only 40 snaps? I mean, he's got destroyed on the run. Well, I can tell you why they only gave him 40 snaps, because he's not good enough to play more than that. I disagree. You bring in well, okay, how, how? why do you disagree, and what knowledge would you have to indicate he should be playing more than 40 snaps? Because I'm a long, lifetime uh, student fan just like yourself. Oh, okay, okay, that has nothing to do with you knowing that he should uh, play more. And I'm not a Steeler fan. I'm a paid expert. You're just some schlep. Anything else? No? Good. Let's go to Mike and Butler. Mike, you're on the Mark Madden Show. Hey, thanks, Mark. Um, I don't really think it matters with Harrison getting released. Um, you know, Gronk's going to be... You, you know what, Mike? That's probably the nuts and bolts of it, but go ahead. I just think that, um, you know, I don't think Harrison really has that much to offer. I mean, yeah, it's disappointing, but we had a hard time stopping Gronk on that last drive when we played them. If we can't figure out them, it doesn't really matter who they have on the team from our team. You know what I'm saying? You know, you know what I find myself wondering regarding Gronk? What's Joe that? Hayden covered DeAndre Hopkins man-to-man yesterday. What about Joe Hayden, a cornerback covering Gronk man-to-man in the AFC Championship game? That would be a bit off the beaten path, a cornerback covering a tight end man-to-man, but you know Gronk's no ordinary tight end, and for that matter, Harrison's a pretty big cornerback. Uh, what would you think about that? Would you at least consider that possibility, and do you think Hayden could handle it? I think uh, I, 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 you have to. I mean, if you don't, it's over. You know, so uh, you have to throw whatever you can at him, and I definitely think Hayden's definitely going to be um, uh, helpful. Uh, better that he's in there than Well, me. it's against you the know. grain because, uh, and thank you for the call, Mike, I can't think of any time a corner's covered a tight end man-to-man. Maybe it's happened. 
I'm not an X's and O's guy. That's not the sort of thing I'd pay attention to closely. But if it happened, we'd hear about it because it never does. Let's go to Zach in the car. Zach, you're on with Double M. Good day, sir. Right. Um, so what came first? Was Harrison re-signed first or was T.J. Watt drafted first? But I think in either scenario, they, James Harrison had to think of it back in his mind. Okay, this is my replacement. And maybe it just happened sooner rather than later. Well, remember the illogical scenario we heard laid out, not by the Steelers, but by a few Steeler insiders, Zach, who said Watt would play early and Harrison would play late, even though that makes no sense, because if Watt's going to play early and work through his mistakes, he should stay in and reap the benefit of having done so and let the team reap the benefit of him having done so. Well, I think when the time came, when they were supposed to pull the old switcheroo, like last year, and put Harrison in there, Tomlin and Butler looked at the situation and said, you know what? That doesn't make sense. I, I agree with that. And Harrison was supposed to be break glass in case of emergency, and they did in Kansas City, and that was really it. Yeah, I think Harrison should have been happy to contribute where he could and let the coaches determine his fate, uh, especially given that they brought him in for $1.3 million and gave him paychecks where no other team was willing to. I can tell you this for sure. Had Harrison not been signed by the Steelers in the offseason to come back, at a two-year deal, no less, with a signing bonus, the Patriots would not have been sniffing around his back door then. Am I right? I agree with that. And I think it's hard for the Patriots to sign him when he's only played a handful of snaps the whole year. I I think they're signing him, if they do sign Harrison, they're signing Harrison to F with the Steelers. I mean, I I can't see any other logical reason. The pick in his brain part, if the Patriots don't know enough about the Steelers to beat them, after having beaten them how many times in how many big games in the Brady and Belichick era, they don't need Harrison to tell Belichick and Brady what to do to beat Pittsburgh. 412-333-9939. 412-333-9939. We got Phil Bork to talk hockey at the bottom of the hour. I'm going to talk hockey a bit myself uh, just around the corner. But if you want to keep talking James Harrison, dial 412-333-WXDX. Uh, Harrison cut by the Steelers a few days ago, meeting with the Patriots today in Foxborough, apparently with an eye towards signing with New England, which would be the ultimate heel turn. To my eyes, for James Harrison, 105.9 X. And now, the super genius, Mark Madden. Nice talking to you, Mark. Hey, so be it. Kills time. Hey, Mark, big fan. Hey, super genius. How you doing today? Getting funky like a monkey. The X at 105.9. Well, well, well. So it was said, and so it did come to pass. According to ESPN, James Harrison has signed with the New England Patriots. The ultimate heel turn. Now, this ain't going to be the reason the Patriots beat the Steelers. The Patriots always beat the Steelers. They didn't need James Harrison to help their pass rush or for James Harrison to tell them how the Steelers play, to leak the playbook, to expose the terminology and the signals. Patriots have done just fine against Pittsburgh without having James Harrison as a resource. I see people on Twitter 
saying they're going to root for Harrison. Well, F him and F you. Because if you're going to root for James Harrison on the Patriots against the Steelers, you were never a Steeler fan in the first place. But you go ahead and do that. Because I'm going to tell you, and I bet a lot of Steeler Nation will finally listen to me now, I'm going to tell you again what I've been telling you for years. James Harris is washed up. He is not only no longer a difference maker, he's a bum now. He played 40 snaps all year for the Steelers. Was a healthy scratch as often as not. He stinks. The Steelers know he stinks, and that's why they cut him and didn't give a rat's ass whether he went to New England. But if you root for Harrison, wow, you're a bigger scumbag than he is. And I think he's a scumbag. He's a bully, a jerk, and a domestic abuser, and now he's a patriot on top of that. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. We got Phil Bork talking hockey uh, in just a few moments. I don't know if the Penguins are in trouble. I do know it certainly looks that way. And Sidney Crosby is the embodiment of those troubles. He's got just three five-on-five goals in 37 games this season. Uh, There you go. It trickles down from there. Sid embodies the problem, and he also embodies the fatigue of the Penguins. The Penguins having played 250 games since October of 2015. You hear a lot of vitriol from the Hoy Poloi, but maybe this was always bound to happen. That said, there's still 45 games left. The Penguins are only three points out of the playoffs, and this team obviously knows how to win. And I would never, ever bet against Sidney Crosby. Never, ever. I mean, how could you? Let's go to Dobbs on the south side. Dobbs, you're on the Mark Madden Show. Hey, Double M, second-time caller. I want to make a comment on Harrison. Go ahead. Hey, um, I would think the Steelers should have kept him at least to the end of the year, and please don't give him to New England because you know what's going to happen, don't you? He's going to get a ring with New England because I can't see the Steelers beating him in the playoffs. Or maybe he won't. Well, I don't know. I, I mean, And if he gets a Steelers, ring with New England, he will have turned – on his city, and on the team that made him to get it. Judas got the 30 pieces of silver. James Harrison could get a ring with the New England Patriots. And from my perspective, he's welcome to get it because he's no longer a Steeler legend in my eyes. I'm sure he is to you because, Debo, you love him. You think you know him. Meanwhile, if you run fire, he wouldn't piss on you. Wouldn't piss on you. Let's go to Adam in Manesson. Adam, you're on the Mark Madden Show. Yeah, Mark. Uh, first time caller. I hear. You, I know you hear that a lot, but uh, it's James Harrison. I, I I liked him. I enjoyed watching him play. But now that he's what he's doing now, I think he's just going there for the Super Bowl ring. That's all he. With the no, money I, don't I think it him. actually runs deeper than that. I think he's going there to prove that he's right. The Steelers are wrong. And it's about respect and revenge and all the stuff a jerk and a bully invents in his mind to make it all about him. Harrison's overjoyed by this. Overjoyed. I can tell you that for sure. A week ago, he was a healthy scratch for the Steelers. And now he's in the headlines. He's on the internet. He's on TV. 
It's all about him. And that's what James Harrison wants more than anything, for it to be all about him. Let's go to Eric in Delmont. Eric, you're on with Mark. Eric, you there? Eric, one more time or we'll move on. Hey, Mark. Go ahead, Eric. Hey, I agree with everything you're saying about Harrison, but I think we're missing something here. Uh, right after the Patriots game, we went out and signed uh, Stephen Ridley. And, uh, you know, he was with the Patriots. And okay. hopefully we're getting the p- offensive playbook from him. Yeah, I don't think it's going to come down to Harrison uh, giving Belichick the Steelers plays or Ridley giving Tomlin the Patriots plays. I think it's going to come down to who the better football team is. And in this matchup, it's usually not the Steelers. But thank you for the call. Conspiracy theories at every turn. People love them, don't they? Up next, going to talk hockey with the old 2-9-er. It's Phil Bork next on 105.9. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. You people wouldn't understand that because you don't have groins. You're a funny guy. That is very funny. Don't interrupt me. The X at 105.9. If Steeler fans didn't think Harrison was a disgusting pig for signing with the New England Patriots today, now he's tweeting out selfies of himself and Tom Brady. Hey, if you want to love him, you love him. I think he's been a piece of crap since the day he set foot in Pittsburgh, and he's still a piece of crap. Now he just is wearing a different jersey. And if you still can't see this guy, this bully, this jerk, this domestic abuser, This me, me, me guy, if you can't see James Harrison at long last for what he really is, then you're just plain stupid. Joining me now, the two-time Stanley Cup champion. He does color on the Penguins Radio Network. He is the old two-diner, Phil Bork. A Borky of the Penguins hit a wall because that loss to Anaheim was rock bottom. Well, it's pretty low for me. I can say that much. Um, the, the level of disappointment just seems to keep uh, rising as the season moves on here. Uh, you're just waiting for this team to get traction and get on some kind of a roll. Uh, and I know there's there's time left, uh, but I'm kind of getting tired of saying it, and I'm tired of, of hearing it. I think most fans are because this team is too good. The players are too good. And I, I understand the fatigue factor, whether it's back-to-back you know, runs going into June or the way the season started with 13, the first 19, uh, you know, on the road that, yeah, you can, you could say that's part of the reasons, part of the excuses, but, but as we get into the meat of the season here, this team is starting to fall back to a point where in the metropolitan division, in the Eastern conference points now, Mark, where my, my level of concern is rising. And I think for fans too, and I think it should be the urgency and the words that Mike Sullivan continues to use, uh, questioning the team's commitment, questioning about their, their work ethic and, and, and their starts and their focus and their intensity, those, those are words that, to me, are damning. Words that I think as an athlete at any sport, when your coach uses those words when they're lacking in your performance, I think you need to start taking that personal. Is fatigue the biggest problem, and how do you fix that? Well, you and I have talked before that I wasn't uh, that much of an advocate of the uh, Stanley Cup hangover, but you know, I, I think that's, that's the low-hanging fruit. You can just say, oh, they're tired. I think it's more than that. I think yeah, but they really do look tired, Borky. I know, Mark, but uh, to me it's more of they've kind of lost their mojo. Maybe they've, they've been patted on the back so much 
that maybe, and especially for some of these young guys that are not contributing uh, as much as they did last year, that maybe they've just been patted on the back for the last two years telling you're great, you're a Stanley Cup champion. And maybe they're thinking, oh, this league is easy. This is no problem. You just throw the sticks on the ice and, and you win a couple Stanley Cups. Well, I, I think they've just forgotten how difficult it is to win at the NHL level and, and the price that they paid the last two years. I know it's hard to do that all the time, and I know this is the team that can hit the switch, but that's a, that's a da- dangerous game that you play. If you think you can get to the month of March and all of a sudden hit the switch and go rolling through the playoffs, you know, where you are right now in the standings, you're on the outside looking in. If you're in the first wild card or you're in the number three in the Metro, maybe I'll, I'll buy that a little bit. But you are clearly on the outside looking in right now. The fans want to trade, and I certainly expect one, Borky. I'm sure you do too. But how much of what's wrong can a trade fix? I think it can fix a lot, depending on who you bring in. Um, I was witness to it in 1992. I mean, we traded two Hall of Famers in Mark Recchi and Paul Coffey. Um, that sometimes change is good, you know, but you got to bring in the right guy. The, the problem is uh, 2017 is not 1992, and you have this thing called the salary cap involved. So you could say, I want this guy, and I want that guy, and I want this guy, but, you know, his number doesn't necessarily fix. you got to send one contract out that's significant to get something back of significance, and, and we didn't have to do that in 92. We just needed an owner that said, okay, go ahead and do that and spend that money. But I think I think change is good. I think you need to have whether it's young blood or fresh blood. You have different players come in that that either have never won a cup before, or maybe have won a cup and it's been years past and they're hungry to win another one. Uh, I, I think I think that a change could be good for this group. Um, you hate to see guys go, but I think for the good of the team, that I think bringing in some fresh blood might be a good thing. Well, in that vein. I keep hearing the Wilkes guys like Sprong and Aston Reese aren't ready. But wouldn't they provide energy at the very least? I think as this moves along here, and of course we have the freeze for what another day now, the roster freeze, but I think maybe it is time to bring those guys up. And not only will it possibly inject life into this lineup, but also it's going to put some guys on alert. I mean, if they come up and they start performing and, and guys aren't getting ice time, or maybe guys are not in the lineup. Um, you know, like I said, to have that internal competition, which I don't think is here in this group enough as it has been in the past, I think it can be a good thing. Hey, listen, you hate to see guys go, but I think as we move forward here and we get to games 45, games 50, and you know the sand is going through the hourglass, that guys like Sprong and Zach Aston Reese are the two guys on the tip of everybody's tongue that they want to see in this lineup because they have the potential to light the spark that the Penguins are kind of missing right now. Sid has three goals this season, five on five. What's that tell us? Well, uh, boy, that is his wingers aren't aren't doing the job, that he's had too many different wingers, game in and game out, um, that the the inconsistencies are there. Well, well, Um, don't, don't get me wrong, Borky. I would never bet against Sid, and I'm expecting uh, him to snap out of this, but I can't blame that number on his wingers. Well, what do you blame it on then, Mark? I think he's exhausted. I think Uh, he's a microcosm of this team having played 250 games since October 2015. No, I'm seeing a level of frustration on Sid um, just because uh, I don't think he feels like game in and game out that he has the guys there to, to make the plays. Um, 
on, on the five-on-five level. And, uh, I, I mean, I'm, I'm one of the first ones to say I like the way Mike Sullivan is proactive, where he changes his lineup, where he sees players that are going, he elevates them, not going, he brings them down. Uh, but it seems like every single day Sid's got different wingers, and I think that's frustrating for him. Well, who would you put with him on the long term? I would put Hornquist and Gensel. Okay, and but I he doesn't want Hornquist. What's that? He doesn't want Hornquist. Never has. Well, I, I, he doesn't have a lot of choices. He's not going to get Phil. Phil and Gino seem to work really well together. So I think you have to leave those together. I mean, you're, you're, you have Brian Russ or you have Patrick Hornquist on the right side. Those are really your choices. Well, you're preaching to choir. I would go with Rust. And you're right, at this point, given the lack of production by the whole team, Borky, I'm not sure that anybody has a choice. No. It's just, you know, guys are going to elevate their play. I mean, the one thing that separated this hockey club, Mark, the last two years from everybody else is they had young guys that came in, guys that you wouldn't expect, and they overachieved, that they, they rose above what anybody expected. Now, they're not getting that. They have too many guys that have scored less than five goals. They're getting close to having eight for the year on, on average. I mean, that's, that's, that's crazy with the amount of talent that's on the ice. So, again, there, there could be a the, the lack of urgency just could be that players just have got too comfortable. And so when they get too comfortable, I think that's the job of the general manager to shake things up. And I know he tried, you know, with these, this, this last little trade with bringing in Jamie Alexiak, you know, you've kind of got a little bit of the guy's attention, but I know it's tough to make a blockbuster. And I, I know this sounds rhetorical, but I think that's what's going to have to jumpstart this hockey club. I just think that they've kind of, they've kind of got into a lull right now. And I think if something major doesn't happen, I, I'm worried about them, to be quite frank. We're talking to Phil Bork. He's brought to you by Coors Light. Uh, Borky, why does Pittsburgh's 5-on-5 five five play stink in general? I mean, who saw that coming? I didn't. No, I didn't, I didn't see that, and I have a tough time answering that question, uh, except that they, they don't take it to the net enough. They don't, they don't uh, on a consistent basis. I mean, listen, they work hard. Every team in the team in the league works hard. But uh, the Penguins at times uh, could take the puck right to the net, and they decide to button hook or they decide to take it around the net. It's hard taking it to the net every time. You're going to get whacked time and time again. And I just don't think on a, on a consistent level – that they get the puck to the net, and they're hungry enough on second and third opportunities so on the five-on-five basis. I mean, that's dirty stuff. You look at the goals scored in the league. I watch highlights just like you, Mark. There's not that many pretty goals in the league anymore, five-on-five. Everything is deflections. Everything is second and third rebounds. Everything is taking it to the net. You're getting the bounce. It's even tough as a broadcaster now to know who scored the goals because everything is, is taking it to the net and getting lucky bounces, it seems. So I just don't think the Penguins have done that on a consistent basis. What's your take on Chris Letang's play? Because it is certainly much discussed out here in Radioland. Yeah, I get it. I've discussed it myself. Um, the one thing about Chris Letang, and I, I don't know if I need to say this, but I'll say it anyways. I, I think he is one of the, and could be the most talented defenseman in the league. He could win a Norris Trophy. He's that talented. Uh, when you put him with Burns, and you put him with Carlson, you can put him with anybody in the league, because of the way he can skate, the way he can shoot, um, the strength that he has, the, the way that he can log 25 to 30 minutes without blinking an eye. I just think that at times, I don't know if he's distracted by other things in his life or 
maybe he can be his worst enemy where he overthinks things. Um, and I think that's where you, you're, I think supposedly Sergey Goncho is supposed to be a real big help for him. And there just seems to be too many inconsistencies, too much of him just kind of second guessing himself on when to jump up on the offense. And on the defensive side of the puck, there seems to be a hesitation there. Like he's thinking too much. When you're thinking too much, when you're that talented, he just seems to be half a step behind. But this is a kid, if he can put it together, and we've seen him put it together before, there's no reason why on a bad year he's third in the Norris Trophy, and he has not won a Norris Trophy yet. Borky, why have some of the forwards just stopped scoring? They're not slumping. They just stopped scoring, period. Rustin Haglund in particular just stopped. Yeah, and that's a big problem. It's absolutely a big problem because those are guys you really count on that I, you have to pencil in for 15 goals. I don't think that's asking too much of talented players like Russ and Hagelin, but they're on pace for less than 10, and that's a problem. Why aren't they scoring? It, to me, it, again, I don't want to repeat myself on my answers, Mark, but it's, it's, it's the right thing. It's, they're not taking it to the net enough. They are not paying that price to get to the net, and they're not anticipating where pucks are going to be for second and third opportunities. Listen, these are, these are meat and potatoes players. These aren't, these aren't players that are going to stick handle through three, four players and go in and score a highlight real goal. They've got to earn everything they get out there, and I just don't think they're getting to the net enough. I think there's games when they walk out of the rink and uh, they're not sore, they're not beat up, they're not all banged up, they don't have marks all over their face. Uh, th- that's the type of players that, that I think they should be, uh, and I just don't think they've been there enough times this year. It's got to be tough for Mike Sullivan, uh, the coach, because you got players who have accomplished so much here in Pittsburgh and are now doing so little. I mean, what do you do if you're Mike Sullivan? you got to give him time to snap out of it. And at any rate, what are your other options? Yeah, you know, for Sully, you can just see it. I mean, he has a tough time uh, hiding it because he is such a passionate coach, uh, the frustration level for him. And uh, I don't think he's been in this situation with this group before. So I think that, you know, you want to be patient. You want to trust that they'll figure it out. And, you know, you try with the, the slight nudges, whether it's uh, one-on-one meetings or, or taking ice time away. But at some point, the rubber's got to hit the road. And for those players that have severely uh, underachieved statistically, I think they have to refigure and, man, I'm either going to get traded. I know I would because this is a tough business. And the reality is I'd be thinking I'm either going to get traded or I'm going to be a healthy scratch in the lineup or I better get my, my butt moving and not give them a reason to take me out of the lineup. That's the reality of the situation. We're not a team that's just trying to get into the playoffs. We're trying to win a third Stanley Cup, and we desperately need guys like Russ, guys like Haglin, um, like guys like Chris Letang, uh, guys like they, they have to score goals. And if you can't score goals, then it's, it's a tough time to stay in this league, never mind be part of a, a team that's going for a championship. What's the pucker factor like right now? Is the dressing room rattled, Borky? I don't think they're rattled. I think they're still a confident bunch. I think they still believe in each other, which, you know, for being on the outside in, you know, our, our pucker factor is probably a lot more than theirs. But it's funny, you walk into that locker room and they, they still believe that they can win another championship. They understand the situation they're in, but there's certainly no panic. Um, I, I think... When they're, when they're getting ready for a game, I think they realize, when they look at the standings, they realize, and I think the heat is starting to go up a little bit, but you have to stay together. You have to lock arms. It's the only way you get through uh, any kind of a bad situation, and you still have to believe. But, uh, you know, you, there should be a little bit of healthy panic and healthy urgency because 
you know, you're getting to the halfway point here. You're just about usually for most players, Christmas is the halfway point. You don't have to get the game 41. And when you come out of the Christmas break, you better start getting pedal to the metal and start getting gearing up some momentum. Get back into a playoff spot and start hunting down the top teams. Finally, Borky, will the Penguins make the playoffs? Absolutely. No, absolutely, they'll make the playoffs. Sidney Crosby won't let them miss the playoffs. And they've got a goaltender in Matt Murray that has admitted that I've been good, but I haven't been great. And I think Matt Murray's got to start winning games for the Penguins, too, once in a while. I think he'll admit that, that I think, you know, on great teams, you have goaltenders that help you get uh, get the wheels to turn and down the hill. And uh, sometimes your goaltender has to steal a game for you for that to happen. So I think with the leadership, with the skill on this team, and the great coach and general manager they have, they absolutely 100% will make the playoffs. Borky, great stuff. We'll do it again next week, and we'll see you at the rink tomorrow night. Look forward to it, Double M. I enjoyed this like always. Good hockey talk. That's the old 2-9er brought to you by Coors Light. Enjoy $3.50 Coors Light drafts during all Penn's games at North Park Lounge in Murraysville. And also brought to you by Armstrong. One wire, infinite possibilities. Uh, If you're just tuning in, James Harrison has signed with the New England Patriots. 1059X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. No one wants to hear your life story. What do you want to say on my radio show? Hey, yo, Mike. Mark, how you doing? Call me Mike. The X at 1059. If you're just tuning in, James Harrison has signed with the New England Patriots. And a lot of you seem to think there's nothing wrong with that. Okay, you can think what you like. But James Harrison played with the Steelers 14 years. And now he's going to their big rival. Not a rival so much as an overlord. A team that has beat the Steelers senseless. Beat Harrison senseless. In the years since Brady and Belichick took charge up at Foxborough. You're going to that overlord just weeks before possibly meeting in the playoffs after having lost to New England in heightened circumstances. We all remember how that game ended after having just lost to New England a couple weeks ago. If you want to say the Steelers cut Harrison and it's just business, okay, maybe it is. If you want to say it won't make a difference, that's probably true because James Harrison's washed up. It is hard to imagine Harrison being in a meaningful role if and when the Steelers play New England in the AFC Championship game about a month from now. And as far as getting the information, the playbook, the signals, yada, yada, the Patriots haven't needed all that crap to beat the Steelers senseless in the Brady and Belichick era so far. I don't know why they need it now. But anyway, for Harrison to go to the Patriots... After 14 years with the Steelers, it's just a bad look. And a couple years back, James Harrison accused New England of cheating. Here's a direct quote. I felt cheated when they came here, uh, when they picked up like 90, 92% of our blitzes. That's Harrison referring to the AFC Championship game after the 4 season. Quote, that's like going to Vegas and rolling the dice 20 or 30 times and you only lose twice, unquote. So Harrison accuses them of cheating, and now he's doing selfies with Brady and grinning like an idiot, like, hey, buddy, I'm here. Let's hug it out. 
I don't see any way that could be construed as anything besides a bad look. A bad look at the very least. In just 30 seconds, and boy, from this standpoint, I'm sorry that Harrison got cut inside with New England because this could have carried the show otherwise. But I'm going to tell you uh, one way that's largely escaped notice how replay has taken excitement out of football. I'm Mark Madden, 105.9 The X.